Welcome to The Practice Podcast, a show created by lawyers to help lawyers in life and business without all the complicated lawyer language. Let's welcome Bast Amron founders and your hosts, Jeff Bast and Brett Amron. Hi, this is Brett Amron. Welcome to The Practice Podcast. And this is Jeff Bast. Hello, Brett. Today, we are going to talk about retirement. How do lawyers retire? Do lawyers retire? Can they retire? What's the... Never. You very rarely hear about lawyers retiring. So I guess we could start that off by asking the question of what is retirement? What is retirement, Brett? Does it have a meaning for you? A special Um, place in your heart? Yeah. Yeah. It's changed, right? I mean, when we grew up as kids, I remember my parents talking about it and other people, other adults talking about it. And it was the whole thing of when I get to a certain age, I'm not going to work anymore. I'm going to stop. I'm going to work. I'm doing what I'm doing. And then I'm done. You know, my father wasn't an entrepreneur. He didn't have his own business. I shouldn't say never. He did periodically. But it was always a conversation of at some point in time, I'm going to finish and I'm done. Right. Well, and, it used to be, what, 65, right? Isn't that yeah. When people would retire. Yeah. And, and, just, and whatever the age was, right? 62, 65, whenever that was the sort of the thought process. And I think it's changed. I mean, I know for me it has. Retirement doesn't mean I'm going to stop doing you know, everything I'm going to garden and I'm just going to cook and, you know, hang around the house all day or read books. You know, for me, it's probably a pullback, you know, at some point, maybe a shift and maybe leaving the practice of law or maybe a pullback from the practice of law and then maybe a shift to doing something else. But my idea is that, you know, I'm going to wake up and not do the same thing I've been doing for the last 25 years. Right. I think what you're saying is it's not a, and it won't be a sudden, okay, tomorrow's tomorrow, going to be my last right? day and we have a party and you pack up all your belongings and right. you know, in a box. And right. And out. actually that reminds it's more of me. a gradual thing. Yeah. And that reminds me, you see some commercials on TV from these, you know, financial management companies and, you know, they show the man or woman who's worked their way up. And then the last thing is they're walking out with a box and there's like a happy retirement picture and everyone's throwing them a party and then they're done and they're moving on and they have grandchildren and they get to travel and, and that's their life. I don't see that necessarily, but it's a shift, right? I mean, it's a shift in terms of your daily routine or your weekly or monthly routine. Right. And maybe you decide to focus on something else in terms of your attention to keep your mind going, keep your interest, whether it's a business, whether it's, you know, we were laughing about this before trading cryptocurrency or something, you know, something, but something different than just waking up and everyday practicing law. Right. And I guess maybe it's the difference between obligation and desire or whatever, it's the function of you getting to do what you want. Right. So right now your day is your typical day is in the office Monday through Friday, or maybe it's varied now that we're, uh, you know, more hybrid. Right. But that might shift where you're working during the week and playing on the weekends. Maybe you're working a few days a week or you slowly, you know, you start right. taking, you know, you start working four days a week and then ultimately it's three days a week. And so it's more gradual shift to doing different things. What about you? I mean, what do you, is that similar or are you thinking differently? I I view it the same way. You know, we, when you and I started this conversation, we were talking about how lawyers have a different sense of exit and retirement than other businesses. You know, most businesses, and you and I are both members of entrepreneurs organizations, so we're around a lot of business owners, plus our clients, a lot of business owners there. But most business owners build a business, they grow it they sell it or merge or they take on private equity or venture capital or 
hedge funds buy them. However, there's a sale. There's an exit, more of a clear exit ramp for most businesses. And lawyers don't really have that. Yeah. And I think one other avenue, right, that people that build businesses, non-law firm businesses, they build it up to the idea that they're not working day to day. Right. Right. So you build a business and you're if you make widgets, right, you may start when you're building the business on the warehouse floor, helping develop those widgets, helping build the widgets, helping box and deliver and all. But as you grow the business and you hire people to do that stuff, you're not doing day to day. Then you move up and you're working on the books. Well, then you hire people and you're not working on the books anymore. And then you're just sort of overseeing and running and making sure you have a good management team in place so that nobody's relying on you. The practice of law is very different, right? I mean, even as you move up, the idea, the goal, or at least for us, right, is to have that in place. People who, when we hire, we look for people who can eventually move up and help run this place and be on the front lines. Right like a normal business, not right. like a typical law firm. Yeah. Right? So that's what I mean. Look, I guess it's like the adage of working on your business and not in your business. Right. You know, if you're working in your business, if you're a um, restaurant owner and you're waiting tables, then you're an employee. You're yeah. basically a highly compensated employee. Whereas if you're running it and there are other waiters and, and chefs, then, you know, you can be the owner. And that is something that we always look for. We're, you know, our retirement plan is, as our people, because unlike most businesses, lawyers can't sell to non-lawyers. Yeah. And so very rarely do you see a sale of a law firm. Small firms sometimes will merge with big firms or merge with other firms. And that's one way that lawyers transition, but we're not building this business up to sell it and have a big exit where we get paid right. millions of dollars to leave Wouldn't the that business. Be nice? yeah. That just doesn't work that way. Yeah. And so our exit strategy, and you and I are pretty vocal about this, that our exit strategy is our people. Every lawyer that we hire, every person that we hire, we expect to be somebody who's going to be running this place, or that's the hope anyways, that they're going to be, right. they're going to take us out yeah, over and time. I yeah. don't mean take us out in a, uh, a <laughs> violent way. Not in a I'm mafia movie not, way. Uh, yeah. I'm hoping that's not how we get taken out. Yeah. Well, on any given day, I suppose. But yeah, I mean, that's our goal, right? I mean, that's a hard thing for any leader of a business to acknowledge and and allow to occur. But I think that in the practice of law, to me, it's, as we've seen landscape, it's, it seems like it's harder for lawyers, you know, like you get hired, whether, you know, they call Jeff Bast, they call Brett Amron, they call somebody at the firm, the firm gets hired, but who's the one on the front line dealing with the client? Who's the one who's handling the big hearings or overseeing strategy? More often than not, as you look around the landscape and we deal with lawyers, it's the senior lawyer named partner in a firm, depending on the matter, right? And it's very hard for those lawyers to move out of the way. Yeah. The problem is a lot of lawyers don't recognize that there's a ceiling of capacity. Like you can only take on so much. And at some point, Brett Amron's going to do all the work. And this is part of how we ended up where we are with 12 lawyers is... You and I, we hit the ceiling capacity. And so we had to hire other people to right. help take on the work. Yep. And that's how we grow organically. But I think a lot of lawyers don't recognize, or maybe they're just not thinking about, hey, at some point, I want to stop doing this or slow down or do less of it. I need to groom someone else to do this work. 
with me or, you know, because right. we see it all the time with solo lawyers who they're at the end of their career and suddenly they're looking for a place yeah. to land a book of business and clients that they care about and they can just close shop and that's the end of their firm and their career or they can groom someone to take over the future. And that's kind of what we're doing more, I suppose, thoughtfully. And by the way, the flip side of that is the law firms that don't elevate people mm-hmm. and they wait they wait too long to a point where the people say, well, we don't need you guys anymore. If you and I just don't let anyone into the fold at some point, they'll just say, well, we don't need you, Brett and Jeff. See you. See you later. We're just going to form our own firm. And so there's a lot of different ways this could go if you don't plan for it. Yeah. And listen, there's definitely firms we've seen, right, that they don't promote and all they do is they've got lawyers on a wheel and they just hire and lose and hire and lose and hire and lose. And that's the way they want to operate. And okay, that's kind of how you want to do it. But like you said, there's never going to be anybody that sort of takes over for you. And maybe that's okay for those lawyers. I mean, maybe yeah. maybe they're, they're okay with that. And maybe solos are okay with, look, I'm going to do my thing. And when it's time for me to start slowing down, I'm just going to do take less work and I'm just going to do what I need to do or want to do. And that's okay too. But if you're trying to have longevity and in the legal field, right, there's a limited way. We talked about exit. We talk about retirement, but it's exit, right? So what's the exit for a lawyer if you own your own firm? There's no, like you said, there's no, nobody who's coming along and paying you millions of dollars or any dollars to buy your practice. You could get merged into a large firm if that's something you're interested in you can close the door and go home. Obviously, once you take care of all your clients and your files, is that's really it. Or you can have your firm, you can grow from within and promote from within. And that's kind of our strategy, right? Which is right. for longevity and ultimately for the betterment of the people that work for us, the idea is to continue to promote from within. And the idea of when we hire somebody is, is this person somebody who could eventually run this place? Right. And not that doesn't mean that that's the singular person that's going to run the place, but is this somebody who could eventually be part of management, who could build a book of business, who could run client matters, who could help run the firm and manage the firm? And that's the question that we always ask ourselves when we look for qualities in hiring people. Yeah. I'm glad you said that it's that it's okay. We're not here saying that our way is the right way. Right. We're just saying there's a lot, you know, I think this is a conversation that a lot of lawyers should be having and maybe they're just yeah. not even thinking about it. And so my advice to a solo practitioner, and I've had this conversation with quite a few younger lawyers who've started their own practice who just mm-hmm. want to, you know, pick my brain. And I know you have as well is hire, hire someone now because they say, Oh, I'm not sure if I'm ready. And, you know, hire a young lawyer, hire another lawyer, bring somebody on, train them. Because first of all, when you hire another lawyer, they may pay for themselves pretty quickly because you bill their time and, you know, ultimately, but it frees you up to do other things to help grow the business. And so that's the, you have to find your maximum utilization. You know, what are you best at? What's your time best at? And so best utilize doing. So, you know, you and I, like we've said, we've grown because we were busy. In fact, that's how we formed the firm, right? Remember, you were solo and I was a solo and we were bouncing ideas off each other. But 
There were also some issues where you wanted to go on a vacation or maybe I did. I don't remember how this happened first, but we asked you, the other, one of us asked the other, hey, can you cover for me while I'm on vacation? And that's really, to me, that's like the microcosm of this whole thing is if you're a solo practitioner, if you're sick or on vacation, you know, nobody's doing the work, yeah. you know, and the work stops. And so if you want to have that longevity and you want to build something, you got to hire some people. And yeah, you give up rain. And obviously, again, it depends on your your interests, your desires for your practice, right? But if your interest is, if you're a young lawyer and you're building a firm, or if you're a, a seasoned firm, lawyer, a seasoned right? lawyer, and, and whatever it is, if you allow others in your firm to grow, what we've seen is it actually is helps grow the firm faster, bigger footprint. Doesn't mean growth in terms of number of lawyers, but footprint, right? Because everyone always look at Bast Amron when we started was Bast and Amron. But now there's other lawyers in this firm and it's not just Bast and Amron. So that when lawyers show up, right, the idea is that they're more than capable of handling this and they can do it. And right. that you don't need necessarily need Bast and Amron. That, that's not to say that we're not needed. <laughs> Jeff's looking at me like, right. wait, wait, what? No, we, of course yeah. we're needed. But that's the idea is... If you promote and you allow growth with others in the firm, it's not just lawyers, it's, it's anybody that works at the firm, then you know that's going to, by an order of magnitude, allow the firm to get better and to grow its footprint. Right, yeah. I mean, it's the notion of you could handle every hearing and yeah. take every deposition in a case, mm-hmm. But your younger lawyers are never going to learn that way. And they're never going to have the experience and the capability to take on responsibilities if you don't give them the opportunities. And so, and that's, I think that might be the, you know, the linchpin issue that causes so many lawyers to not, or so small firms or solos to not grow, is that inability to let go. And it's hard. I have, I struggle, you and I talk about this all the time. I have a hard time you know, letting go of matters and letting other lawyers handle especially important hearings. And they'll never grow if you don't let them handle important hearings. And I think that's some, one of the things that we've prided ourselves on is giving our people as much latitude as they can take on. And sometimes more so. In my view, and we've talked about this before, is as leaders, it's our responsibility to make our people handle things that they don't think they can handle is, you know, that's true leadership is believing in your people and encouraging them to do something. You know, we've had lawyers tell us or tell you, hey, Brett, I don't know if I'm ready. You know, I think you should handle this hearing. It's kind of an important one. And you say, no, you have it. I think you got it. We'll prepare for it together and and you handle. That's leadership. That's how you grow groom lawyers. And that's how you grow a firm. And that ultimately is why I think you and I will be able to do this thing called retirement at some point. And it may not be at the same time because mine's starting tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) I'm announcing on this podcast that I am. That's too bad, man. I already put in my notice. I already put in my notice. So you said something in there. Obviously, I thought all of it was important, but there was one part which was key, which is taking the time to groom them and spending the time, right? So one of the things we are highest and best use, which you had said earlier, but I'm going to tag on to something you just said, which was working with them and helping them prepare. So that's important. That is super important. So if you say to a lawyer, hey, you're going to handle this. And they say, well, are you sure? Yes, you're going to handle it. But we're going to spend the time to make sure that you're ready to handle it. And we can't bill for that always. Right. Right. And so you as a leader have to be willing 
to spend that time because that is your highest and best use. Why? Maybe not on that matter because we can't bill for it, but for the client, A, right, to make sure that the lawyer is prepared and they're ready to go and that the firm has everything ready for that client and to present the best possible case for that client in that instance. But also for the firm long-term because that lawyer now has the confidence, has the ability, and knows, number one, how to prepare and then how to handle the hearing handle the matter or the mediation or deposition, whatever it is. And so when we're talking about giving younger lawyers opportunities, it's not blind, right? right? And we're willing to spend the time and realizing at some point you realize as a leader that your highest and best use may not actually be out in front handling the matter, but actually maybe behind the scenes, preparing the lawyer and helping the lawyer prepare and making sure that everybody is prepared to handle that particular thing that they're doing so that the next time they don't need you and they can do it on their own exactly and working on strategy and things like that so that's where the shift is in terms to me as a leader of a business right that's what i was talking about earlier which is a widget business you know and you're moving along and as the business grows if you're allowing it to grow and you're hiring new people you're moving not up but you're moving into different tasks. You're working into, on the business yeah. and, and right. more on the business and less in the business. Right. Right. You know? And so I think that, you know, that to me and to us, I think is what, you know, we believe right. creates a successful business model yeah. for our firm. And it's more than just training and grooming them for the actual practice. It's also promoting them, you know, outside the firm, yep. giving them the business development tools that they need. Yep. Training them on that side of the business, I think that we've talked about this a lot, is one of the biggest failings to us of big law is that young lawyers are not only not trained to do business development, but they're discouraged, at least I was, discouraged from focusing on business development. The old adage was always, oh, just become a good lawyer and then the business will come. Well, nothing could be farther from the truth. It's something that takes a long time to build a book of business. And so we encourage our people to do it. We give them a budget from the very beginning. We train them on it. We facilitate it. We participate in their business development efforts to the extent they want us to. You and I are always going to lunches with other lawyers in our office when they have a contact that they want to, you know, they want to meet and um, connect to. And so it's, it's more than just in the office. It's in the office and outside the office. And ultimately, you know, we've said this, but not really said it in words is the goal is that these people, that these attorneys will rise up to the partnership and become equity partners with us and become owners. And that's ultimately our ownership will diminish over time. And that's really the, you know, it's unusual that you want your ownership to diminish over time, but that is the way our retirement looks. You know, that's how it it will happen is we'll have new owners in this place. Yeah. Agreed. A hundred percent. And as I said, I've already put in my pink slip. So have a nice, enjoy the time and, you know, Retirement? (laughs) No. So I I got to say sort of, and we can end on this, Jeffrey. When you retire, and I'm holding up air quotes that nobody who may be listening to this podcast can see, what does that look like for you? I would say the same thing you said. It's really one, I don't expect it to be a sudden, you know, one day I'm here and the next day I'm not. If I have any control over it, it will be a gradual, it will be a gradual transition. And it probably, I hope that at some level, I'll be involved in this place for, you know, a long time. And 
maybe I'm billing less hours or I'm doing less business development and other people are doing and I'm coming in on big matters or big strategy issues or significant pitch presentations or whatever it is. But ultimately, I would be spending less time here and more time elsewhere. And how and when that happens, you'll have to stay tuned. It'll be in a future episode of this podcast where we give the big reveal. Exactly. Thanks for listening. And thank you. Thank you, Brett. Thank Thank you, you, Jeff. Nelson Rosada. Nelson Rosada. Our producer. For more information on this show and other resources, visit FastAmron.com and connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram at FastAmron.com.